to worship at Northminster Church. For those of you who may not share the coordinating council here at Northminster, and if you have not heard, our pastor, Jillian Henkammer, and her husband, Eric, are out today because Jillian gave birth to a beautiful five pound, 12 ounce baby girl named Erin Sophia on Friday evening. I've been in touch with them this morning and, and have learned that they should be going home from the hospital today. Um, they're not quite ready for visitors yet, but we'll be sending out information later this week. Let's celebrate with them and keep our new parents in our prayers. Beginning next week, Dr. Daryl Cluck will be filling our pulpit while Jillian is out on maternity leave. We're always delighted to have Daryl in the pulpit, and we're looking forward to his engaging and insightful sermons in the coming weeks. Whether you're here in person in our sanctuary or joining us over our YouTube channel, we're so glad that you're here with us. If you're visiting with us, we offer a special welcome and we hope you'll participate in all aspects of our service. If you're here in person, that includes participating in communion. This is Christ's table, open to all. Just follow the instructions you'll find in the order of worship or just follow the person in front of you. Our first gift to God in worship is our presence. 
To indicate your presence today, everyone please sign the attendance register you'll find in the hymn book holders on the chairs at the center aisle. As usual, children, please come up for the children's message on the last verse of the opening hymn. Miss Beth will be presenting the children's message while Jillian's out. A few announcements I'd like to point out to you, which can be, which can be found in your order of worship. We're currently working on updating the nursery and toddler room. There's a link to an Amazon wish list in your order of worship, and your donations will be greatly appreciated as we're delighted to have several tiny new church attendees. The Worship Commission will be meeting immediately following worship this morning. Are you, Beth, are the youth meeting today? Okay, so the youth will not be meeting at 5 o'clock today. And then I have an announcement from James. The, the ULM Snats Miscast is a fundraising concert featuring some of ULM's finest students singing Broadway music from characters they typically wouldn't be cast as. This includes roles, <clears throat> roles being gender-bent, being opposite, etc. It will be a funny, interesting, and wonderful event for everyone to enjoy, and that will be next Sunday at 3 o'clock here in our sanctuary. We encourage you to stay after worship today for a good time of fellowship and to enjoy some light refreshments. Also, there's a sign-up sheet in the hall off the pastor's office for those who will take the responsibility for this important time. As always, please review the insert in your order of worship for other announcements and opportunities or check out our newsletter. Now, let us worship God together. If you would, join us in our call to worship. To the fishermen, Jesus said, Follow me, and I will make you fish for To the tax collector, Jesus said, Follow me. To the rich man, Jesus said, At the Last Supper, Jesus said, Follow me. To you and to me and to all of us, Jesus says, Follow, Follow me.
How are you? I'm not Pastor Jillian, but she did leave me a book to read to you that she had already picked out. Okay, we talked in Sunday school about what season it is, and that's Lent, right? But it's also a special month, and you talked about that a little bit last week. Do you remember what special month it is? What history we're learning about? No, it is getting ready for Easter, but we're also... Do you remember when Pastor Jillian told you it's Black History Month? It's Black History Month, that's right. So she left me this book to share with you today, and it's about a little girl named Sulway. Okay? And she is a special little girl, and let's find out what is special about Sulway. Sulway was born the color of midnight. Look how beautiful her skin is. It's like velvet, right? But she looked nothing like her family, not even a little. Her mother was the color of dawn. Father's the color of dusk. And her sister was the color of high noon. See, they're all different shades, right? Sulway dreamed of being the same color as her sister, and she wanted real friends, too. She felt really different, right? She decided to work from the inside out and only ate the lightest, brightest foods. When she went to bed, she even prayed to God for a miracle. When Mama came in to wake her for school the next morning, Sulway rose to find not a trace of daylight in her midnight skin. So she told Mama everything. So she's feeling sad because she feels different. She doesn't like the way she looks. Mama asked, what is your name? What is her name? Sulway. And what does it mean? Star, she whispered. So her name means star. Brightness is not in your skin, my love. Brightness is who you are. As for beauty, Mama said, rubbing Sulway's stomach the way she always did to comfort her, you are beautiful. And here she is in bed. She said, how can I be a star? That night, a shooting star appeared in her window. The night sent me, the star said, come with me. Sulway hopped onto the star, and away they went. Now, she has me skipping some pages, because it's kind of a long book. If she ever needed a reminder of her brightness, she could look up at the sky on the darkest of nights and see herself. Look, isn't that beautiful? Have you ever been camping or outside at night when the sky is really, really dark? What can you see the best when it's really, really dark? The stars. Can you see the stars if there's too much light outside? No. No. Sulway felt beautiful inside and out. So what do you think the message is to the, about this book? Do you think the message is that, what? It's in there. <laughs> do you think the message is that our beauty does not come from what we look like, but who we are on the inside? Yeah. Yes, ma'am? Believe in God. 
And if you have God inside of you, are you beautiful and bright like a star? All of you guys are really handsome and beautiful. Let's turn around and say a prayer. You know the prayer. Are you going to help lead it? Are you ready? Repeat after me. I see the face of God in you. I see the face of God in you. The love of Christ comes shining through. The love of Christ comes shining through. And I am blessed to be with you. And I am blessed to be with you. O holy star of God. O holy star of God. Amen.
reading from Psalm. Teach us to number our days so that we may truly live and achieve wisdom. How long will we wait here alone? Return, O Eternal One, with mercy. Rescue your servants with compassion. With every sun's rising, surprise us with your love. Satisfy us with your kindness. Then we will sing with joy and celebrate every day that we are alive. You have spent many days afflicting us with pain and sorrow. Now match those with years of unspent joy. Let your work of love be on display for all your servants. Let your children see your majesty. And then let the beauty and grace of the Lord, our God, rest upon us and bring us success to all we do. Yes, bring success to all we do. The psalmist speaks. Thanks Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Money talks and power makes the world go around, or so they would have us to believe. And we, forgetting that other voice, join the march in hopes that we may find a place among the rich and strong. But you, O God, feel no shame. Fear no harm as you walk among the poorest and weakest, feeling completely at home. Thank you for the voice of your love that keeps singing of the power and weakness, the wealth and simplicity, and the freedom and safety that is found in walking your humble, serving way. Amen. Good morning. A reading from Hebrews. The word of God, you see, is alive and moving sharper than a double-edged sword, piercing the divide between soul and spirit, joints and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and the will of the heart. No creature can hide from God. God sees all. Everyone and everything is exposed, open for inspection, and is the one we will have to explain ourselves to. Since we have Jesus, the Son of God, who has passed through the heavens from death into a new life with God. Let us hold tightly to our faith. For Jesus is not some high priest who has no sympathy for our weakness and flaws. He has already been tested in every way that we are tested. But he emerged victorious without failing God. So let us step boldly into the throne of grace where we can find mercy and grace to help when we need it most. A reminder that we can all approach God no matter our weakness or flaws. Thanks be to God.
reading from the Gospel of Mark. When Jesus had traveled on, a young man came and knelt in the dust of the road in front of him. The young man said, Good teacher, what must I do to gain life in the world to come? Jesus responded, You are calling me good? Don't you know that God and God alone is good? Anyway, why ask me that question? You know the commandments of Moses. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not slander. Do not defraud. And honor your father and mother. The young man responded, Yes, teacher. I have done all these since I was a child. Then Jesus, looking at the young man, saw that he was sincere and responded out of his love for him. Son, there is still one thing you have not done. Go now, sell everything you have, and give the proceeds to the poor so that you will have treasure in heaven. After that, come, follow me. The young man went away sick at heart at these words because he was very wealthy, and Jesus looked around to see if his disciples were understanding his teaching. Jesus said to his disciples, Oh, it is hard for people with wealth to find their way into God's kingdom. The disciples, confused, asked him, What? Jesus replied, You heard me. How hard it is to enter the kingdom of God for those who trust in their wealth. I think you'll see camels squeezing through the eye of a needle before you'll see the rich celebrating and dancing as they enter into the joy of God's kingdom. The disciples looked around at each other, whispering, Then who can be liberated? Jesus answered them, For human beings it is impossible, but not for God. God makes everything possible. Then Peter said, Master, we have left behind everything we had to follow you. Jesus replied, That is true. And those who have left their houses, their lands, their parents, or their families for my sake, and for the sake of this good news, will receive all of this a hundred times greater than they have in this time. Houses, and farms, and brothers, sisters, mothers, and children, along with persecutions, and in the world to come, they will receive eternal life. But many of those who are first in this world shall be last in the world to come, and the last first. The Gospel of our Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. I was fortunate in that when Jillian called me Thursday afternoon to tell me that she would be admitted to the hospital Thursday evening, that when I said, do you happen to have a sermon already done? <laughs> she said, I do, and it's in my top desk drawer. That meant I did not have to feverishly prepare a sermon for this morning. So I did take some editorial liberties with Jillian's sermon. I tried to change it from first person to third person, but if I, if I missed something along the way, please just understand. But these are the, the words of God through Jillian delivered by me today. <laughs> the title of her sermon is Beginning Lent Childishly. Welcome, y'all, to one of the texts in the New Testament that's most likely to cause squirming. 
The story of Jesus and the rich young ruler has been making good church folk uncomfortable for centuries. Really, since Christianity became a world power, believers stopped meeting in catacombs and had the power and money to build cathedrals. Theologians and preachers have been trying to make this story less uncomfortable, attempting to soften its demands for centuries, including a 9th century interpreter who developed a sermon illustration you might have heard. It goes like this. The eye of the needle was a low gate into Jerusalem through which camels could only fit if they stooped, perhaps even on their knees, and weren't weighted down with cargo. The conclusion is that Jesus is only criticizing the proud rich or only the rich who are not extremely determined to enter the kingdom. Unfortunately, modern scholarship has proven that no such gate ever existed. <laughs> then there are prosperity gospel pastors and televangelists who seem to be silent on this story. Normally, I would leave these folks alone as their low-hanging fruit in this conversation, but their serious hypocrisy in a pastor being worth $60 million, living in a $10 million home, and still asking people to send in a portion of their monthly paycheck in the form of seed offerings or first fruits. This story would be much more convenient if Jesus' response had been for the man to continue keeping the commandments and his wealth but as commentator Matt Skinner points out, like a parable, this story resists explanations and denies loopholes. We're liable to talk circles around these verses in the hope of stumbling upon a basis for softening its message. But like a parable, this story intends to be experienced rather than explained. So experience with me this rich man's discomfort at discovering that keeping the commandments wasn't enough to inherit eternal life. Notice with me that though the man is wealthy, nothing in these verses indicate he's selfish or insincere as one bombastic preacher I listened to this week suggested. Neither is the man psychophantic in calling Jesus good teacher. He's, trying, <clears throat> he's not trying to be manipulative or say what Jesus wants to hear. Rather, this is a respectful address from a man who is genuine and is claimed to have done all the right things and followed all the rules. It's hard to imagine how crushing it must have been for the man to hear that he was lacking something. In all of his meticulous rule following, he managed to miss something, sharing the wealth and possessions he'd accumulated with those in need. Investing in his community, being aware of the needs of those around him, and paying it forward. Up until his encounter with Jesus, this man was operating under the understanding that eternal life is contingent upon keeping the commandments. After all, this is what made one an upright member of the community. Had he gone to any other religious leader, this man would have been guaranteed eternal life. But the rich man goes to Jesus, not knowing that Jesus operates with a different framework and from a different starting point. Salvation is a gift freely given. Rather than being something we earn through right behavior or rule following, salvation is a gift from our Creator. Thus, keeping the commandments is not necessary for salvation, but for discipleship. 
Following the law helps create and maintain community. It puts everyone on an equal playing field. It does away with the haves and have-nots because we're all equals before God. There is sacredness in independence, in reliance on others, and in relationships that aren't based on taking from each other, but giving to each other. Following the commandments is a good starting place, but it's only a starting place as the community of Christ centers around how we serve each other. The rich man struggles with Jesus' command because it would require him to change his relationships with people and his possessions. He would suddenly be vulnerable in a way he likely hasn't been in years because his financial safety net would be gone. But more than that, the man would have to interact with people he hasn't communicated with in years. More than simply giving alms and walking away, Jesus' calling is to identify with those in need, to surrender status and power, and work instead for justice and equality. Little wonder this good man is shocked by Jesus' words and goes away grieving for how many of us, though we are good people who faithfully tithe and support charitable organizations, would easily let go of our power and connections? For his part, this is the only time in Mark's gospel that Jesus is said to love anyone, which is comforting because it means Jesus understands just how difficult his message is. Jesus understands our temptation to seek out financial security and personal influence. He understands we're hardwired with a need for safety and control, that we like to build walls between ourselves and people we don't understand or don't want to take responsibility for, that his call for community and interdependence makes us squirm because we have clear notions about holding on to the things that are ours and the things we've earned. But Jesus preaches a message of salvation that doesn't have to be earned in discipleship that's marked by taking care of the least of these rather than following all the rules. It's a subversive message with a subversive economy based not on our power, but our complete dependence on God. It's no coincidence that the only time Jesus calls his disciples techna or children, occurs in this morning's verses because children lack power and influence. Children depend on others for survival. Children come before God just as they are, without artifice, a desire for control, or hang-ups about what getting involved with others might say about them. Children simply come just as they are. Jillian's friend Lonnie is the best youth minister she's ever met. Hearing Lonnie describe her abiding love for teenagers, and you're not only sure that she has an inhuman capacity for dealing with body odor and hormones, but more importantly, that youth ministry is a calling she was born to. Jillian was often envious of Lonnie's constant joy for her work, for although she loved her kids, she often found their parents challenging. Lonnie just does so many things right. She plans fun events, creates meaningful Bible studies, and attracts caring adults to her ministry who invest their time and energy into the kids. 
Watching Lonnie work is like watching a good conductor direct an orchestra or a talented chef run a kitchen. You know she's working hard, but she makes it look easy. One of the best things Lonnie does with her youth groups every year is to write a list of youth group rules. When they were both in St. Louis, these ranged from no drinks in the ball pit to Jesus is not the answer to every question. <laughs> but by far, the best of Lonnie's rules was this, don't grow up, it's a trap. <laughs> My friends, on this first Sunday of Lent, let's approach God as children. As we contemplate this rich man whose possessions end up possessing him, let's release our grip control and safety and come to our Creator with open, empty hands. As we're reminded that eternal life is a gift freely given by a Messiah who became one of us, let's not forget that Jesus' radical message includes giving our money, status, and power away to others. Even as we squirm with the discomfort of just how straightforward Jesus' words are, let's not explain them away. Let's live in the discomfort and let it motivate us to ask tough questions of ourselves. We are a congregation of good people and rule followers. We do our best to be like Jesus and take care of each other and those in need. We take our church motto of being bound to serve seriously. We are a church of hardworking, task-oriented, free-thinking, and opinionated doers. But what if this Lent we were a little of those things? What if we were a little less independent and a little more dependent? What if we approached God with few ideas of what works in this community and what doesn't? What if we laid aside our preferences and need for control, opened ourselves to God's desire for us and each other? What if we begin Lent childishly. Amen.
As we come to this time of communion, we do so with joy because a child has been born in the city of David. This is apparently a Christmas time communion. So I'm gonna, just gonna change gears. <laughs> That's what I get for not letting it be known that I was cheating with what was written up there. As I mentioned whenever we came together this morning, this is not my table. This is not your table. This is not Northminster's table. This is Christ's table. And all are welcome. And there is room for everyone at Christ's table. If you would, join me in the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Jesus gathered with his disciples that evening. He was with them. He took a piece of bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body given for you. He also took a cup of wine. here to celebrate this time together, to be worshipful of God together. So now come, take what Christ has given to us.
now hear this benediction. As we leave this place today, and as we go about our day-to-day -day life, let's consider how great it would be to approach life with a childlike innocence and the selflessness that Jesus has called us to have. Go in peace.